This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Christ in me. Lord, pray and speak to us by your word and fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit that we might truly be your Easter people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please do sit down. Shocked, amazed, and transformed. This was the impact of Peter's message on his original hearers. And my hope this morning is to so retune our ears that we can be similarly moved and moved by one particular line in Peter's message, just nine words. Because these nine words succinctly summarize the meaning of the events of Easter for us today. So we return to chapter 10 of the book of Acts, read so well by Micah this morning. Good job, Micah. And we begin by our first contrast, contrasting the speaker, Peter, and his primary audience, Cornelius. So Peter, first Peter, think big beard. This is Peter the fisherman, a fisherman from Bethsaida, 80 miles north of Jerusalem, on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, or the Lake of Galilee, if you're a well-treathered author like Luke, who's traveled the Mediterranean. He's on the north of the, the Lake of Galilee. He's a fisherman. He's a married man. His uh, mother-in-law was famously healed by Jesus. Um, a fisherman, a married man, a loud man, often the first to speak, once described as only opening his mouth to change feet. A fisherman, a loud man, a married man, and a restored leader, someone who would denied Jesus, betrayed him when Jesus was on trial, was subsequently overcome with guilt, wept bitterly, but was forgiven and restored by Jesus and made a leader of his people. So we have Peter, beard. Secondly, we have Cornelius. Think clean shaven. Think curly hair on top. No center parting, because no Roman man would have a center parting. In fact, um, you want a full head of hair, and apparently uh, Caesar wore a laurel wreath to hide his receding hairline. He's a Rome man, a centurion in the Italian cohort, stationed in Caesarea, 40 miles north of the Lake of Galilee, and a long sea journey across the Mediterranean from Rome. He's a Rome man, he's an army man. Centurions are responsible for enforcing discipline. And he was possibly another loud man. Cornelius, perhaps from the Roman instrument Cornu, this three meter long brass instrument that curls around you like a G and blows troops, commands to uh, nearby troops. Cornelius, Cornu, and Peter is at Cornelius's house. Maybe a nice house in the Roman style. And our reading abruptly begins like this. Then Peter began to speak to them. Wait, who are them? Sorry, who are they? Who are they, these them? They are 
Cornelius and his gathered friends and family. Verse 24, Cornelius was expecting them, Peter and his crew, and had called together his relatives and close friends. We can imagine Cornelius had told them of his vision of an angel, and this angel had told Cornelius to send for Peter, who was going to have a message for him. And now Peter was coming, and Cornelius and his family and friends are gathered in the home. You can imagine his brother, Augustus, his sister, Cassia, the twins, Vitus, Titus. There are aunts and uncles, Marcellus, Valentina, Octavia, Mariana. Don't forget Maximus and Julius' buddies from the running club, and his best friend from work, Albus. Now, Alex, did you get all those names from a baby names website? Maybe. <laughs> They're all part of Cornelius' friends and family, all part of the occupying force, the Romans, them. Like Pontius Pilate, who gave the order for Jesus' crucifixion that we remembered on Friday, and like the soldiers and the centurion who carried it out, the Romans, who were keeping the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, an empire that sought to keep all the various provinces under control, with a godlike Caesar, Lord of all. To Peter, this is them, the others. They look different, smell different, they've got a funny accent. Before we see only differences, let us remember people are people, people like us. People with hopes and dreams, burdens from the past, fears for the future. Relatives, friends, loss and grief. People like us, and as we imagine Cornelius and his friends and family packed into that room, what were the expressions on their faces? What was hidden in their hearts? What keeps them up at night? What anxious thoughts run and run? Guilt about the past, regret, shame, consequences of decisions made or not made? Fear for their future, for their kids' prospects, their parents' health. What are the unseen wounds and bruises between those in this room? Who throws their weight around? Who has been silenced? What past actions or inactions still leave scars? Where are their relationships frayed, their health compromised, their finances shaky? And what do they think Peter is going to say? Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message that he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Shocked, amazed, transformed, no one you weren't listening. Those last nine words were the nine words that summarize what Easter means for us today. Well, let's roll back the tapes, slow it down, and do some translating. Peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And there's one word that sets them up. In the Greek, it's euangelizomenos. Which means proclaiming the good news, good news, preaching good news. And we love good news. The stimulus check has arrived. The kids got into the school you were hoping for. The mechanic called and it's 
not quite as expensive as you feared. We get bad news quite a bit, so we love good news. What is the good news here? The first four of our nine words proclaimed by Peter are these. Peace by Jesus Christ. Peace by Jesus Christ. I mean, I admit, it does sound a little bit like a fragrance perfect by Marc Jacobs. But it's not a perfume, it's something much more precious. Peace, the Greek word is arene, and this may have triggered something in the Romans' ears. Peace by Jesus Christ. No, no, no. Peace by Rome. We are here to keep the peace, the Pax Romana, to keep everything under control. Peace by Jesus Christ or peace by Rome. This is the second contrast represented by Peter and Cornelius. And it's this contrast we need to really drill into this morning. Peace by Rome, the Pax Romana, is something we actually all know very well in our own lives. Because it sounds like this. Peace, I'm going to have peace when I have everything under control. Got all your work done. All under control. Peace. Got your house tidy, your kitchen clean. Peace. Got your relationships where you want them. Peace. Got your eating under control, your temper under control, your addictions under control. Peace. I'm going to have peace when I have everything under control. And we don't have to do this alone. By our side is something that offers to help manage our finances, organize our to-do lists, check our emails, regulate our relationships, handle our boredom, engineer our moves, look for love, monitor our sleep, even manufacture our identities. Our phones are here to help. Peace by Rome and use your phone. Wonderful. Apart from one thing, it never lasts. Got all your work done? For how long? All your relationships where you want them? For how long? Got a tidy house with young kids? For how long? <laughs> Peace by Rome, Pax Romana style, everything under control puts us in the stressful center and subjugates the world to us? Good luck with that. How's that working? So what about peace by Jesus Christ? What does that mean? Let's ask Peter. Verse 38. He goes on. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We long to, but we can't bring death and evil under our control. As much as we try with surgery or social media, but Jesus could. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And those who were brought to Jesus and healed, who walked for the first time before an amazed crowd, who saw for the first time, who were restored to their right mind, to their communities. Peace. God with us, making all things well. God doing good. And Peter saw it. He goes on, verse 39. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. God doing good. And yet, they put him 
death by hanging him on a tree. Because that heart desire, that Pakshaman having everything under control, everyone under control, even God. And Jesus was a threat. It may have been the Romans who hammered in the nails, but it could have been any one of us. And Jesus hung there like a painting, like a picture of suffering. The breath of life breathed his last. The one who called forth Lazarus from his tomb was silenced and carried to his own. Verse 40. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. God raised him. We celebrate that today, Easter Sunday. He appeared. We have witnesses. Now, who were the first witnesses at the empty tomb? Were they bearded men like Peter or clean-shaven men like Cornelius? Neither. Remember our gospel reading? It was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome who went to the tomb, saw the angels, were asked to go and tell Peter that Jesus is alive and would meet them at Galilee. The first witnesses were women. So what? In the ancient Near East, women were not honored as credible witnesses. Josephus, the first century writer, put it like this, but let not the testimony of women be admitted on account of the levity and boldness of their sex. Women were discredited as witnesses, so what? Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's been seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. By who? Listen, if you make up a story to persuade people, you make it plausible. You appeal to the prejudices of your day. But all four Gospels admit that women were the first witnesses and awkward truth. Amongst many other historic reasons that convinced a 19-year-old me at Oxford and millions across the world throughout the centuries that actually the wonderful good news of Easter is true. Jesus is alive. Verse 40, God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Ate and drank with him? Jesus didn't rise from the grave as a misty hallucination, but as a real, knowable person with wounds and scars and who can ask you to pass the salt or offers to pass you the water or the wine. We ate and drank with him. Imagine that dinner with Jesus by your side. The same Jesus who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil by your side. Who was put to death and is alive once more, never to die again by your side. Who knows where you have failed and forgives you by your side. Imagine biting into that dinner. Peace by Jesus Christ. For how heavy are the burdens of the past with Jesus by your side? How threatening are the fears of the future with Jesus 
by your side. Peace by Jesus Christ. But we are there in Judea. We are here on a bright, sunny, and slightly chilly morning in Pittsburgh. And if you go into Ascension, you'll see from the mural, the Ascension, presenting Jesus ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. How can he be by our side? How do we cast off the stress of that Pax Romana having everything under control and enjoy peace by Jesus Christ? By embracing the final five words, He is Lord of all. Peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Easter is an invitation and a reminder to step out of that stressful center and to allow him to take his rightful place there. Lord of all. Lord, the fact that he has ascended means that he is now able to pour out his spirit. He is Lord of all, of everywhere and everything. Lord, in the Greek, Kyrios, the boss, the one in charge. But here's the funny thing. To the Roman ears, that again may have been striking. Kyrios. Wait, no, no, no. Caesar is Kyrios. Caesar is Lord. And one early bishop was executed because he refused to say, Kaiser Kyrios, Caesar is Lord. And instead declared Christos Kyrios. Christ is Lord. The Romans insisted, Kaiser Kyrios. But it's interesting that only really one of those two claims has survived to this day. As only one of those two figures is alive today. If you hear or see the word Jesus, it may be followed by his Lord. The other, Caesar, is more commonly followed by the word salad. <laughs> so unless we are really committed to Caesar's salad, the choice isn't so much Caesar or Christ, but self or Christ. Everything under control or peace by Jesus Christ. Let's choose peace by Jesus Christ because he is Lord of all. And Peter draws the Romans' attention to the future and the past. Verse 42, he goes on. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peace by Jesus Christ, the past forgiven, the future in his hands. He is Lord of all. Well, Alex, sounds wonderful. Is there a practice I can actually do to help me in the coming days demonstrate to God and to myself that I am choosing peace by Jesus Christ and not that's so tempting, peace by having everything under control. Yep. So remember the one thing that many of us use to rule them all, our phones. We organize our to-do lists, regulate our relationships, handle our boredom, and manufacture our identities to bring everything under control. Listen, am I the only one who when you're driving and you see the, the traffic light ahead, it's green, and it goes yellow, it's too far away to accelerate. Just as it turns yellow, I find myself already reaching for my phone to manage my boredom, to check on the sport headlines. 
Am I the only one who finds a half-written text really stressful? A half-written email unbearable? What if I could just put that phone down and say, peace by Jesus Christ, and pray that he would do good in this life, in that relationship, in that situation. I put the phone down and I say, peace by Jesus Christ, and I pray for God doing good. It's something we can do in the car, in the kitchen, wherever you have your phone. You put it down and you choose peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. All right. Is there a more significant gesture, a more meaningful moment, something I could do to show to God and others that I am choosing peace by Jesus Christ rather than having everything under control? You bet. And you're going to see it in a little bit. It's called getting baptized. See Vivian and Zechariah, and I believe Zechariah is going to be under the water. Hey, you are not under control when you are being lowered under the water. And you are not under control when you are being raised up into life. And we will see that. If you haven't been baptized and you would like to, come and talk to any of us. Peter Cornelius, the peace of Christ and the peace by Rome. Listen, what happens next? To conclude, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The events of Easter, Jesus' death and resurrection, mean that God right now is offering us the freedom of peace by Jesus Christ. Life by Jesus, God doing good. And to receive that freedom with Christians worldwide and history deep, we just say, He is Lord of all. Let's pray. The tomb is empty, you are alive, and you are Lord of all. Again we ask, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. There's no guilt in life, no fear in death. Only your power. Pray, fill us and strengthen us to be your Easter people.